I believe the term angelology is the word used when referring to the study of angels and demons. It is safe to say that it is not the most common subject among Christians. This is likely the case because there is an applaudable, I think a commendable desire to steer away from anything that resembles angel worship and idolatry. However, with approximately 250 references to angels in the Bible, a lot of questions naturally arise. Some questions will be impossible to answer. This is simply because the Bible is silent on many areas, but there is enough in the Bible for us to form a sound understanding while at the same time dispense with error and unbiblical tradition. Now, through the course of church history, views and opinions changed as the years went by. Prior to the Protestant Reformation, practically every question imaginable regarding angels became the subject of debate. In such medieval times, there was something of an obsession with trying to answer every question possible. Today, with the rise of New Age influences and the trend, it seemed to all things mystical, there is more of an inclination in some to give attention to angels more than to God himself. It's more comfortable, it's an easier subject, in other words. However, recent and famous novels which focus on angels and demons and such things often stray very far from biblical truth. So it is undoubtedly a fascinating subject, but we must not allow our interest to distort what the Bible does say, and uh, we must not imagine about angels what the Bible has not said. And so for this reason, I wish to treat this podcast today as a question and answer session on the subject of angels. So question number one, does the word angel in the Bible always refer to the same thing? The answer is no. It is important, believe it, that we know this. There are really two main words that we have in the Bible that is translated for us as in, in English as angel, one in the Hebrew and the other in the Greek. Both of them essentially carry the same idea of messenger. However, as I've indicated, the word when used is not always referring to angelic beings as we're thinking of them. So let me give you some examples. Revelation 2 verse 1, unto the angel of the church at Ephesus. And again, chapter 2 verse 8 and throughout the next chapter. The angel of that local church. It is clear from the context that the elder of the church is being addressed, not a angelic being as such. It is the teaching elder even, the minister who is God's messenger. And Christ brought the message to such to bring to the local church. But in each case, the Greek and Galatians used. In Malachi, the Old Testament, chapter 3, verse 1, when God said he would send his messenger, it's the Hebrew word uh, for angel in the English. It is used, but we know that the reference is not to an angelic being, but to John the Baptist. And in that same chapter, and that same verse, we read of the messenger of the covenant, the angel of the covenant, and that, and that in the situation is a reference to Christ. Often the angel of the Lord in the Old Testament is in fact a pre incarnation appearance of the Son of God. So those are some of the categories to remember, but the last category that we have in the Bible is what we're dealing with. That is angels when they are referred to as spiritual, intelligent, moral beings. As mentioned in Psalm 8 and verse 5, 
thou hast made him a little lower than angels. That's a distinction between men and the angelic being. So it's important to know this because not every usage of angel in the Bible is referring to the same thing. You turn to your Bible, you see the word angel, don't always think it means an angelic being. So now when we come to angels themselves, one of the questions which is often asked, it's our second question is this, when were they created? Now again, remember they were created, that's the important thing here. We don't know when, we can't be dogmatic, but we know that they were created. They are not eternal, very important that we understand that. One of the key reasons why angel worship is to be rejected, absolutely rejected, is because they are created. We only worship God. God is to be worshipped. He is the eternal God. And like us, that is like human beings, angels are immortal. You might ask, well, what does that mean? Am I immortal? Well, just like we have a, uh, a beginning, we have a physical beginning, and, and our soul has a, has a beginning as well, but our soul lives on. There is no end to our soul. Our body will uh, reunite with our soul after the resurrection, but our soul lives on after our physical death. We are immortal in that sense. That's true of angels. They had a beginning, but they have no end. Uh, but whereas mankind, we are told, was made on the sixth day, we don't have a specific description of when angels were created. But I'll put this out there uh, for your interest. I suggest, personally, that they must have been made during the creation week itself. That's my own view. I'll hold to that. But I'm not going to be uh, that... Um, dogmatic about it. Now in Exodus 20 verse 11 we are reminded that God made all things in the six days, all things in heaven and in earth. Uh, most importantly let's also remember that they were created and they seem to have a reference of creation alongside the heavenly aspects or even the heavenly bodies. Psalm 103 verse 20 and 21 uh, we have these words, praise ye him, his angels, praise ye him, sun and moon, praise ye him, heaven of heavens. And then the psalm closes, for he commanded and they, which is inclusive of angels and the sun and the heavens, they were created. The third question is this, what do angels look like? Well, first of all, they don't look like me. <laughs> they don't look like you. I think this is one of the first questions people ask or they want to know. But can we really know anything about what angels look like? So often you'll hear the expression, he or she has the face of an angel. The reality is we don't. Um, if someone had the face of an angel, it would actually be quite a startling and a disturbing sight, as we shall see. Uh, when Stephen's accusers looked on him during his speech, they saw, the Bible says, his face as it had been. It's descriptive language. It's even metaphorical language. As it had been the face of an angel. This did not mean that Stephen temporarily morphed into something akin to Michael the archangel, but that there was rather a majesty and a glory about his countenance, a holiness that could not be denied. Angels, remember, as the Bible reminds us, are spiritual and they are celestial beings. That means they are not corporal, they're not physical. Hebrews 1.14 reminds us that they are ministering spirits. Okay, the word spirit is important there. Paul reminds us in 1 Corinthians 15 that there are different realms that exist and there are different bodies which exist. For example, celestial and terrestrial. 
When we look at the Old Testament references, it is clear that often the angels took bodily forms to fulfill a service for God. Genesis 19.1 records two angels coming to Sodom and meeting with Lot. We believe they took on that human form. Now I hear you say, as with many people, ah, but they've got wings, okay? You get the average person to try and draw an angel, which I suggest we, we don't do. But if they did, they will probably draw two wings either side of a white feathery body. And we generally get this idea from the likes of Isaiah 6 verse 2, where the seraphim is described as having six wings covering different parts of the body, including the face. Now, first of all, remember that in Isaiah, it's a vision. And if we apply each description literally, then we have to also conclude that angels actually don't have two wings, but they have six. That's a little bit more frightening, isn't it, to, to think about. So I suggest that possibly, and I don't want to shatter your, your thoughts here, possibly they don't have actually wings or literal wings. But rather the wings is a symbolic language helping us to understand their swiftness or their capacity to obey God swiftly. In Isaiah, when the wings are in usage, it's, it's a way of describing how the seraphims convey or how they, how they respond to the wholeness of God in covering, even the angels covering their faces. It's really reminding us of God's wholeness rather than telling us something about the angels. I remember in Luke 2, when the angel of the Lord appeared to the shepherd with glory, the initial response was one of fear, because it was a fearful sight that the shepherds beheld, and they had to have their fears relieved. And then lastly, what do angels do? Angels are personal moral beings. They are not forces, they're not influences. Their number must be immense if the Bible has such expressions as the host of heaven and our Lord Jesus being able to call on 12 legions of angels. Also, there is something of an order in the angel company. We read of Michael, an archangel. We read of seraphims and cherubims. We know that many fell along with Satan and so they were moral beings. But we all know there are many elect angels which cannot fall and they're called holy angels. The angels are superior to us in terms of ability, but they are not omniscient like God. Why do we know that? Because Peter tells us that angels take an interest. They look into the things concerning redemption. They rejoice in heaven when there is a soul that repents. But they are also God's ministering spirits. In what way they do the bidding of God for us, I cannot say, I cannot tell with great certainty. You'll read of an angel touching Elijah, telling him to arise and eat. Our Lord Jesus himself incredibly was ministered to by angels in the garden. Now it's common in Roman Catholic circles especially to have the idea of an individual having an individual guardian angel. Now the only possible reference to this is, is Matthew 18 verse 10, it's not conclusive, or where Peter's angels referred to in Acts. But the reality is we, we can't go down that line, we, we don't know enough. What we do know is that the help given by angels to believers is not so much the angel's choice, but rather they are God's ministering spirits, they're doing the bidding of God's command is God sending them as and when he is pleased to send them. How that materializes itself, I don't know. What I do know, it's part of his providential care for us. And so ultimately our response is not one where we marvel at the angels, but rather we marvel at the care that our Heavenly Father has for us. And that in so many manners and so many ways, his providence means that he's there 
ministering to our many needs.